Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And be one. Yes, sir! Charles Leclerc wins the Austrian Grand Prix. Yes! And Max Verstappen, after taking maximum points in the sprint yesterday, settles for second place. That checkered flag arriving in the nick of time for Charles Leclerc. Oh, my God. I was scared. I was really scared. Yes! Amazing job. No worries. Yes, it was another stunning Austrian Grand Prix in the stunning Styrian Mountains. And Charles Leclerc has got his, I think, got his championship back on track. Now, welcome everybody to this week's F1 Nation. Very sadly, we have no Damon Hill this week because he is currently doing L'Etape. And before we go any further, he's just sent me a text knowing that we're recording the show now. And he says... Uh, it's 30 degree heat up in the Alps, three hours of climbs at altitude and anything up to nine degrees of climbing. He says it's bloody awful. But anyway, <laughs> we're missing you, Damon. Uh, I'm delighted to say that we're joined this week by uh, Billy Munger from uh, Channel 4 in the UK and Jade Edwards, British Touring Car Championship driver. Guys, what a stunning race. Billy, let's start with you. First of all, the race as a whole, what did you make of it? Sometimes with the DRS trains and stuff you see in sprint races, it can get a little bit processional today. There was obviously lots of overtaking. Charles overtaking Max for the, the leader had gone through three times. So I can't remember how many times that's happened this season. And uh, obviously a bit of fire, a bit of action across the board with obviously Carlos's engine going up in flames. So a bit of jeopardy in there as well. Now, after the sprint yesterday, Jade, uh, were you expecting Red Bull to walk away with it today? Were you surprised by Ferrari's pace? Uh, yes, I actually did some truck tours this morning where we do a lap of the circuit. And I actually said that it would be surprising if Red Bull didn't do exactly what they did in the sprint race and disappear up the road. And I said that Ferrari can't afford to squabble like they did in said sprint race, which they didn't, but they had brilliant pace and they made for a great, great race as well. It was such a shame to see Carlos have those issues. The engine's gone for Carlos Sainz. And whilst he was looking at an overtake on Max Verstappen, he has been undone by a power unit problem. No, Eddie, Eddie, no, 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 no. I think his emotions out the car showed exactly how he felt as well. It was really, you know, heart-wrenching to see because he's he's on a great momentum at the moment. I, for one, am loving seeing this battle, not only with the teams, but the drivers, both drivers within those teams as well. Billy, as you say, Charles overtook Max several times in that race. Very respectful racing. I was expecting it to be a little bit more spicy than it actually was. Was I asking for too much? Uh, I think maybe in some ways because I thought I was I always I spoke to Charles after qualifying on Friday and he said this weekend was all about just having a clean weekend that's what he kept telling me so I was kind of expecting today obviously he wanted to go for the win but I thought that he might not go for any risky overtakes but some of the overtakes that he made the sort of looks in the mirrors for Max and a couple of lunges up the inside they were more aggressive than I thought they, he was going to be so I think I was I was pleasantly surprised with how much he went for it today and I think clearly he 
knew that he had a lot more pace than Max. So it was about capitalising on that and bringing home the big points. Right, well, we've parked ourselves outside the Ferrari motorhome here in the paddock. Uh, we're looking at Mattia Bonotto. There's no finger pointing going on this week, Jade. He looks much more relaxed than after the win at Silverstone last weekend. But if there's one thing I think going through his head now, it is they've got a little bit of momentum the M word. Do we all agree? Hey, Yuki, can I just quickly grab you? Quickly grab you for the F1 Nation podcast. First of all, Yuki, what are you eating? Where? What are we? Two hours after the race, what's going on? Um, yogurt. After, uh, you know, um, long race, have to recharge myself. Good protein, you know, for the future. I need a good muscle, so. Very quickly, before you go to the plane, yeah. sum up your race in two sentences for me. Uh, no pace, but satisfied, so I didn't hit the penalty for track limit. Actually, interesting that he hits on the track limits thing so early in the show, because, I mean, I wrote down somewhere, Perez, Gasly, Norris, Joe, Vettel, and I think there were probably others. Track limits. What I enjoyed was, I say enjoyed, a moment that stood out to me in the race was when Bono or, you know, Lewis's crew were saying, you know, you've had a warning, you've now had a black and white flag, and he's getting frustrated and going, no way, I didn't, and then said, is everyone else? I've seen so many people, and they replied, yes everyone else basically has had a warning at some point. I've never known it so much as other than this weekend. Track limits in the UK is a massive thing and the bane of our lives. But here it is, you know, something that we've spoken about all weekend. And it's probably affected every single race this weekend, not just F1, every single Porsche race, F2, F3, there's been track limits, warnings and penalties. And it's, it's definitely created another little edge to, to this weekend. I blame the bikes. Am I being unfair, Billy? Well, I've actually raced here myself and I have been caught out with track limits in qualifying. I lost my lap time back here in 2019 during Euro Formula. Instead of lining up fourth on the grid, lined about seventh or eighth. So I was pretty annoyed at the time with it. And I imagine a lot of the drivers while they're out there, because it's such fine margins. You're so low down in the seat, obviously being in a Formula One car. And to be able to spot with the halo and all these other things going on, those white lines till a millimetre, it is tricky. So I can, I can see why the likes of some drivers were, were getting pretty frustrated out there behind the wheel, the fact they were being caught out and uh, yeah, looking up the pits here, there's a, an entourage of Ferrari walking our it's way. A, there's a wave of red coming towards us. Now they're coming for the photo. So Jock Clear works on uh, Charles' side of the garage primarily. Fantastic race, nervous at the end? Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> with yeah, Well, with what we've had in the last four races and yeah, you, you just think uh, what, what can happen next? And uh, he brought it home obviously and what looked like it could have been a, a a minor issue to start with you know you think okay this this is going to go one or two ways it's just going to like it will just get it home or it's just going to give up completely and luckily it made it home but my god yeah we, we we're living on the edge aren't we <laughs> can you just explain so he had a throttle issue right and what how was he having to manage that what was he having to do from a driving perspective um well i think i think the the biggest positive was that we had pace so he, all he was doing was just being careful. Obviously, it's a bit like you, when you leave a bit of throttle on when you go into a corner on the overrun, it just pushes you on. So he's not, you know, he's not getting the braking he wants. So he's just braking early and, and leaving himself a bit of margin. But of course, when you've got Verstappen behind you on the same tire closing in, you know, you have to be a, make a judgment on how much you're going to back off. Um, and, and he managed it very well. And, but of course, there's always in his head, OK, this is what it's doing now. It's clearly something wrong. Is it going to get worse or is it going to suddenly stop working completely so that, you know, it, it really messes with your head, I imagine. <laughs> I haven't spoken to him yet. But it messed with my head. <laughs> Jock, you've obviously weaved your magic overnight because you had a much more competitive car 
in the Grand Prix itself than you did in the sprint. Uh, in a few sentences, what did you do to it? Uh, I think we felt yesterday that we were we were more competitive than we looked, um, but just not enough. Yeah, with them we looked. We we had good pace yesterday, but we were not able to really close the gap in those 24 laps because the tyre deg hadn't become a problem. Don't forget, you start on a much lower fuel level, so the stresses are much less. Today, you're starting on full tanks, and immediately the the, the improvement on or, or the the advantage we had on tyre management was was clear from the very early parts of the, the race so that didn't manifest yesterday and I think that was the difference today. Fantastic well it's great to see you guys back on the top step thank you Jock. Uh, Pinks quick word yes. how was it you've been uh, leading Sky again this weekend loving it? I don't know about leading but yeah it's been amazing I mean what a race just when we didn't think we we're going to get any more drama after Silverstone because that was a thriller we've had another one in as many weeks it's just been brilliant. I love these sprint weekends. It just gives the fans so much more. Um, I, I, I don't understand any criticism of them. We've got Ferrari back. There's a slight, hey, can I say, I think there's a slightly different vibe at this Ferrari team photo than there was last weekend. Well, of course there is, because one of their cars ended up in flames. I mean, I don't know about you, but I found that so stressful to watch with the car rolling backwards with him in it and the flames engulfing him. It was yeah. awful, wasn't it? It was weird to, it almost felt like at that point as we hear <laughs> some cheering going on with Ferrari right there. Seemed pretty happy with their result they got today and I'm not surprised. But yeah, it was like, it almost felt like you wanted to have a handbrake in that situation. The car rolling back, he's coming off the brake, trying to get out. The, I mean, the car's on fire fundamentally. So it was, a, it was a tricky one to kind of watch, wasn't it? Do you know what, I think more important than any reliability issue is their, their pace. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I remember saying to Charles, a couple of weeks ago um, that the narrative of the season is that Ferrari are quicker on a single lap but mm. they um, lose out to Red Bull in terms of race pace and he said you know I just don't buy that we just haven't had the opportunity to prove it but today they absolutely did. I think the times have changed for Ferrari a little bit this weekend like you said earlier there's momentum behind them now Carlos getting his win last weekend and now this race today where it wasn't easy for them they still had to work for it in certain areas but there's a buzz about them that they, they've got the momentum behind them and I think we're going to go to Paul Ricard and they're going to hit the ground running and it's going to be a real challenge between the top teams now. It's interesting though isn't it because that chequered flag couldn't have come soon enough for Charles Leclerc you know he's seen his teammate retire he's got his own throttle issues oh my god back <laughs> step back because champagne stinks i mean i love the taste of it well, just not the smell as you say it's uh well a race of two halves uh, two halves of the garage because uh, one side is absolute heartbreak and it's difficult for carlos Sainz to put a smile on it because you know that he, he had the second step on the podium pretty much guaranteed didn't he and uh, after the joy of Silverstone he's come crashing back down they say week is a long time in politics it certainly is in Formula One as well I think as well I think the whole you know everyone watching Formula One Carlos had that that torment in his brain where he didn't want to get away from his car and let it roll back and into damaging you know on the wall but it was on fire and I think we all watched thinking I don't know what I would do either because your baby you know you don't want to let it go and roll back but equally and potentially onto the track exactly the cars yeah and I was willing the marshals to get I mean they do a great job but I was willing them to just get there a little bit quicker but thankfully got out okay and the team as a whole you know uh, are leaving this weekend positive I think what is so interesting though is that um, reliability is obviously still a headache for Ferrari 
but what's interesting at Red Bull is this tyre degradation problem. And uh, do you think that will be a concern to them, Billy? I think it's almost like role reversed in that aspect because at the start of the season, Red Bull had the best tyre deg and that was what was winning in the races on the Sunday after getting out qualified by Ferraris and mainly Charles at the start of the season. And now it seems like that's completely reversed. I mean, it's this weekend, Max Verstappen qualifies on pole. He hasn't done that that often this season, yet he's still leading the championship. Then it comes to the Sunday and they've got no pace. It, it just didn't really make sense to me. So I'm sure they're going to be a little bit confused over at Red Bull as to why that's the case this weekend. But yeah, I mean, for Max, coming second and getting fastest up is not the end of the world. It's all about being consistent. And I mean, at least he was finishing and in the hunt for that win still. And it was quite funny because uh, those Dutch fans were celebrating it like it was a win. Did you see yeah, the they, grid at the end there? Amazing, it was intense. We actually had to take presentation team off the grid because we just couldn't hear ourselves think, let alone hear what the other one was saying. I thought you were going to say couldn't see because of the orange smoke. Oh, that's true as well. And actually, that, that was a genuine concern at stages. The Grand Prix, if that had blown onto the track, I mean, I wouldn't have been happy being the fans at the back of the grandstand because they couldn't see it. They're like, I've got a minute. <laughs> I've been exactly waiting here for hours well. for the start of the race. I can't see anything. In the main, it was a real kind of carnival atmosphere here, wasn't it? I mean, just, just brilliant. Um, and yet it's tainted by the reports that we were hearing, first of all on social media, that there were homophobic, misogynistic and racist comments made and um, actions taken towards some fans in some sections of the crowd and the campsites. And F1 were quick in their condemnation of it. And I think we all have to sort of join forces in that and show solidarity and a kind of collective response, which luckily Lewis did. He made a statement on Instagram, but it just can't be tolerated. And it's horrible when these sort of sinister forces creep into the sport that we love yeah i think we've got two sides to this story in the sense that our sport is growing we've got the the new netflix fans everything like that so we've now got new people watching um we've got more women than ever watching and therefore we need to include these new people uh, and make them feel welcome but also we've got social media that's making these negatives a more you know obvious thing that's happening we're using that to our power as well you know back in the day i'm sure this all went on but we just didn't have the platform to speak about it out loud which we're doing now and we're seeing the drivers the championship itself and the teams all speaking out and saying that we just won't accept it and that's the good thing about this is that we're actually stamping it out as soon as it's happening rather than it being weeks down the line and, and the vast majority here had a great time and there were some great fans out there yeah they really were friends of the show hey friends now friends of the show because i want to give a big shout out to reese and lauren from colorado who listen to this podcast every week and they have flown over all the way from colorado to the red bull ring in austria because of the podcast that is crazy That's so lovely that is isn't amazing it? to hear isn't it and uh, and as you say it's just great to have new fans of the sport we've got to make everyone feel welcome because this is the party to which we're all invited and that's checkered flag, Mick, P6. Well done, excellent race, you did it all. Yeah, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Double points haul uh, for the Haas team. Second weekend in a row for them for that. Oh, we are the streaky boys. We're joined now by Gunter Steiner. What a fantastic weekend for you guys. Both of your drivers, six and eight. Gunter, how do you feel? No, it's very good. Uh, I mean, uh, it's very good for the team. Uh, we didn't think we finished this strong. We, we, we know that we were, we were going good, but this strong is, is, is very good. And, and especially after Silverstone, double points, uh, yesterday in the sprint race points, and today double points again, it's fantastic. 
and a career best finish of sixth for Mick. Driver of the day as well, which is a, a huge boost for him. Have you seen a change in his approach? It's sort of bolstered, if you will, by the, the points in Silverstone. You know, it was a tricky start to the season with that massive shunt in Saudi, another big crash in Monaco, but it feels like he's a different driver now. Yeah, no, I saw a little change in Canada. I don't know why, I just saw he was a little bit more relaxed about things and I think maybe more confidence. And from there onward, he was just more at peace with himself, you know, maybe not pushing too hard, just trying to, to get the best out of the car what he could. And you mentioned the car, Gunter. Obviously, your car is one of the few cars on the grid that hasn't received that many upgrades this, this year, with a budget cap included. How are you managing to get so much out of your car considering, considering that you haven't brought many upgrades? When you bring those upgrades, where are you going to be on the grid? Are you going to expect it higher up? I was just going to say, can you imagine if we had upgrades where we were? Yeah, you know, you so, no, <laughs> uh, I always say these upgrades are overrated in my opinion and uh, uh, we will bring some in Hungary. Hopefully they work as they should work. And uh, as you also know, I don't always follow what the other ones are doing. You need to go your own way. And uh, uh, we decided in Barcelona not to bring anything, just to bring them because it wasn't good enough. We developed more and uh, hopefully when we bring them in Hungary, they work. Going back to Mick there, we saw yesterday a little bit of frustration from him after the sprint race. And someone said online, that the Schumacher genes coming out in him now. Now that he's feeling a little bit stronger on track, do you think that we're going to see a little bit more of a feisty Mick towards the end of the season? I don't know. I, I, I think we managed it yesterday uh, in the, uh, for the team the right way. You know, for him, uh, it, it wasn't right. We explained it to him why we did what we did and there was no, nothing sinister behind it. And you saw today uh, when Kevin had the issue with his engine, we let Mick go because we know that, uh, uh, that, that Kevin was not 100% uh, the power. So uh, we let him go and he fought very well. Talking of issues with engines, any concerns when you saw Carlos Sainz's power unit blow up, given that you are Ferrari powered? No, no concerns at all. I wish, I <laughs> wish. No, 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 I'm, I, 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 I'm joking. Uh, obviously, when you see this, and we had a few issues this year, but I always say I rather have the engine is, is very good, it's very powerful, and I rather have issues. I don't like them, obviously, but uh, then an engine like we had last year, you know, because at least when you start the race, you know, you can fight. Obviously, if you have an issue, then it's very disappointing, but uh, the engine is very powerful, and uh, I, I'm sure the Ferrari works hard to get also reliability into it. Gunter, thanks for coming on the show. Can I just say, yesterday I saw a middle-aged woman running down the paddock, screaming with joy. Oh God, was it me? <laughs> because, Pinks, she just met Gunter Steiner. Oh, it was me. <laughs> Not a word of a lie. <laughs> you see, I make people happy, you know. <laughs> well done. Thanks, great job Gunther. today, great job. Okay. He's a hero, isn't, isn't he? Also, isn't Haas great? Oh, no. I love it's that a, vibe it's a feel good story. I tell you what it does as well. It makes that midfield so hugely competitive. And you, McLaren have got their own issues. But when they consider the, the sort of leaps that Alpine and Haas are coming, it, it makes it harder for them to fight uh, Mercedes. Haas now only five points behind AlphaTauri in the Constructors' Championship. So, you know, looking at, looking at P7. Go Haas, is what I say. Now, one team we haven't discussed yet, Mercedes. Oh, yeah. I've just chatted to Toto, actually. How was it was it? interesting because, obviously, it's uh, massively encouraging that they're able to finish third and fourth. And Lewis, to get that third consecutive podium is magnificent when you consider the problems that they've had. But also, they're scratching their heads about that lack of performance. They're kind of in no man's land. They're, they're not fighting the boys in front. And they're sort of a bit out of reach of the midfield as well. So it's, it's a strange place to be, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, it's weird in a way to to 
to cheer on Mercedes in third and fourth. We're not used to that. We're, we're used to them being right at the top. But like you say, it's, it's good to see them back kind of in that mix again. And I think on their day, they're going to be very strong. And it's only a matter of time now before Lewis gets that win. And I actually think that love or hate Lewis, love or hate Mercedes, I don't think anyone's going to begrudge it. They've, they've earned their dues this season. I think when he does step on that top step, I think there's going to be cheers from, from everyone. Yeah, I think Mercedes have definitely had their highs and lows this season. I mean, it was good for me to see George straight back into that top five after obviously the disappointment of Silverstone where he got praised by the fans for that because he ran straight over to Joe's car after that accident and got a lot of support on social Absolutely. media, Showed which was amazing to see. It? Exactly. So it's not all about results, but it was good to see him back up there. Bill, can you just jump back in the cockpit for us and give us your thoughts on the crashes that George and Lewis had in qualifying? They look pretty identical. Yeah, I think it, it they, like you say, it looked very similar in the way that they just lost the rear um, with George being obviously at the last corner and Lewis into turn six. So for, for me, it's just one of those things that they, they're just pushing the cars to the limit. They know that they're, they're not quite on the same level as Ferrari and Red Bull. And then when you're in that situation where you're close, but you need to really sometimes push over the limit, I think that's what we kind of saw. I think we just saw them reaching for that front two teams that maybe they're not quite there yet. And uh, it, the cars obviously... They lost their ear, they bit back and uh, a lot of damage and work for their mechanics. And I think we don't ever really see Lewis crash. When was the last time we saw no. him crash in a qualifying session? He never does, never really makes mistakes. And I think that just shows that he's so eager to get back in the mix with those, those front two teams. And you've got to say absolute kudos to the team to patch those cars up. I mean, literally patch them up because they had all sorts of different parts going on there. Um, limited on parts, limited on time, just six hours to make that turnaround for the end of uh, the quali session before FP2 because it's a bit of a topsy-turvy weekend, isn't it? You kind of can't, can't get your head around it, can you? Uh, but yeah, amazing work, amazing teamwork from them. And actually, you saw that speedy teamwork on the grid as well when he had the problems with his brakes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to give a little shout out here. My other half, my boyfriend, did his first weekend with Mercedes oh. this weekend. And he was on oh, George's car oh. and uh, he, he, was, he was laughing about it because he was having the best weekend ever. Obviously on track it wasn't great, but every time I see him he was like a Cheshire cat. But, you know, he, he's, he's loved it. It's been hard work for them. You know, they didn't expect this weekend to go that way. And like you said, they've been absolutely non-stop graft this weekend. But to get their podium and a fourth, I think it's points on the table and they'll take that after the way the weekend started. They've had 210 points this year, given that it's an off off season and we're bang on halfway through it's quite extraordinary the amount of consistency and top level consistency we've seen from them i mean it's a big tally of points isn't it but it's it's not what we've come to be used to over the last few years they are struggling in comparison but they are consistent and the one thing mercedes do do have natalie is reliability oh and off goes sebastian fettel for the second time this weekend, Sebastian Vettel finds himself in the grass for the Aston Martin. Now, I am going to uh, bring off the subs bench, super sub, Mike Crack, because I've got to go and catch a plane. I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Pinks, off you go. Travel safe. So Natalie's got to head back. Mike, just very quickly, it's been a difficult few, few weeks for you guys. Did we see any green shoots of a recovery in the Grand Prix today? Uh, yes, I think we had uh, some... some well, you will, you will have seen, you know, that the, the, the strategies were evolving quite quite heavily, and um, I think we we were one of the first to, to to understand that we have to maybe not set too much on the hard tire, 
uh, this was helped obviously also by Sebastian starting on it. So we, we thought at one point uh, that we had a little edge uh, on tire strategy, but then uh, we saw that also uh, all other, other cars uh, changed or adapted. And then we moved back into the order where we really belong to from a car performance side. What is it about your car over one lap? It seems to me over one lap is where it's really hurting. Yeah, we, we struggle. We struggle in the high-speed areas, and uh, here we have four high-speed corners on a on a on a, on a lap that is only one minute ten. So it was it was clear from the beginning that we were struggling. And moving into the next couple of races, what, do you, where do you see your car sitting in the rank uh, pecking order going into the next few? Do you think your car will suit the likes of Paul Ricard? Well, we, we, we will have to analyze deeply what what uh, what we can do until until Paul Ricard and then uh, try to 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 make one or two modifications to bring it a bit further up because in Polorica there is also sections that I was just saying uh, maybe a little bit less over the length of the lap but still uh, too many uh, to be um, further front. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Travel safe. So Aston Martin, such a great little team that I, it pains me to see them struggling to the extent that they are. Yeah, I don't think it's um, something any of us really want to see. We've got great names in the team. The, the effort is definitely 100% from them, but they just can't seem to catch a break. And that's what's um, frustrating for them more than anyone. But again, you know, they're a top team. They're going to work hard. They've been at the top before and uh, they're not going to rest until they're back there. Now, I don't want to let you two go, though, until we talk about Alpine. Esteban Ocon, his 100th Grand Prix this weekend, his best result of the season coming home in fifth. Jade, you impressed? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, th this is a team that I sort of see them as slightly stealth in a way. You know, we, we're so focused on the top guys, the Red Bulls, the Ferraris, even Mercedes, that suddenly you look back and Ocon's right up there and in the mix. It was sad to see yesterday I was stood in line with uh, Alonso's car when he had the issues for the sprint race and, you know, gutted to see that because... He's got the, you know, the bit between his teeth at the moment. He really wants to prove a point. I think since Canada, where he was so close, you know, he was so strong that weekend, he wants to carry on that momentum. So to see him knocked back in the sprint was a shame. But they're there or thereabouts. And you know that on their day, you know, they're working hard and, and they, it will come good and they'll get results that they deserve. Yeah, for me, I think uh, Esteban's really impressed me this weekend. Obviously, he had a disappointing race in Silverstone, although Fernando still managed to, to do a good job for the team. It seems like it's always one or the other scoring points. So Fernando did well, considering where he started today after the misfortune in the sprint race to get a double points finish for the team. And uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on with Fernando at the end there, because he had to make a double stop, didn't he, at the end of the race. I think there could have been even more points for him on the table well, today. Well, and had he not started at the back as well with everything new. Esteban, to use a cricketing term, you've got <laughs> you got the 100 up this weekend. Yeah. Massive smile on your face. Yes. Yes, it's been, been brilliant. Very emotional weekend to start with and very good ending. So we are pleased, Tom. Great job. Great Thank to see you. you back up there. Alex Albon has joined us. Uh, Billy Munger's got to go, so I was wondering if you could step in for him. I'm, 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 going, I'm going to my hotel, guys. I don't know where you're going. Alex is nicking my job, so I, I'm, I'm going to shoot off, guys. So, yeah. Billy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Great to have you with us. Look, um, Alex, I thought you were going to get a point today. Uh, I was hoping so, but I knew it was going to be hard work, to be honest. We were, you got uh, a lap time or a feeling you can have in the car that you know you can push that's not going to hurt the tires, but you're going to be okay. And that's kind of, you know, where you want to be when you're pushing around with these Pirellis. And I was, <laughs> I was doing qualifying straight away, trying to keep Valtteri behind. And I was like, it's going to bite me. And I was, I was like, hey man, we're staying here. And it eventually did bite me. So uh, my butt is sore. Tell me if I'm wrong, but this is the first proper running you've done with these upgrades in the dry. 
It is, yes, yeah, yeah. What conclusions have you reached? Um, generally speaking, we're definitely up on downforce. That's obviously the, the most important thing and the best thing. Um, in terms of characteristics, it's quite similar. So we, we do need to try and iron them, them, them balances out because they aren't helping lap time. We know that. Um, so, you know, we're, it feels like now we've got a good platform, a good base car. It's just about fine tuning it. You're doing the Pirelli test. I am, yes, on Wednesday. So hence you're going back to your hotel room rather I than am, to the airport. Of course. Um, what's the plan this week? Um, schnitzel. Um, schnitzel and schnitzels. Um, and then Tuesday I'll come and watch Nicky drive, listen to his feedback. Um, I think the general consensus yeah. is um, to try and help the front tyre. Front's been a bit weak this year, just in general. Locks up a lot. It's not very nice to drive. So that's the direction I, th I think we're going to try and go in. Do you enjoy testing? Uh, I don't mind it, especially for me, because you know I've had a year out. It's actually nice to get mileage under my belt because, I mean, I've had a good start to the season, but I still feel like I, you know, I'm still ironing out, uh, shaking off the rust a little bit to some extent. So, more mileage is better for me. I'm not at that stage where I find testing boring. You know, bring it on. Okay, man. Great to have you on the thank show. Thank you very well much. Done. Thank you. Thank you. See you in Paul Ricard. See you later. Enjoy the schnitzel. Thank you. So, Jade, look, let's wrap this up. There's one team we haven't really discussed in the top 10, and that is McLaren, um, with Lando Norris coming home seventh and Daniel Ricciardo ninth. After the difficulties they had in qualifying, I'm guessing they're going to be pleased with the race today. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, you know, up in the paddock club, I spoke to, to Lando after qualifying and he sort of said to us in, in quali, he had breaks sometimes and he didn't have breaks an another time. So confidence wise for him, it was a it was a struggle that session. So I think you're right. I think today was very much box ticked, two cars finished, you know, not bad positions. Move on to the next. And Daniel Ricciardo, good to see him back in the points. Only his third points finish of the season. It's mad, isn't it? You wouldn't yeah. expect that. So, you know, that's a stat that I that shocks me almost. You forget that he's not scored so many points this year. But he's a driver that never, ever drops his head. It's, it, he's so motivated and so happy all the time. Again, we had him up in the paddock club this morning. He was chipper. He was happy. He was ready for the race. And, you know, he's someone that the paddock loves. And I think, you know, they're going to keep chipping away at it. And they're going to get strong results. And... You know, it's, it's a long season, so we're only halfway. We are only halfway. Now, can I just do a little bit of driver psychology in that Zach Brown came out last week and said, Daniel will definitely be in our car in 2023. And there's been so much speculation. He said only a few weeks back that, you know, their time together hasn't met expectations. Suddenly he's told Nami, you're in for next year. And we suddenly see an upturn in performance. Is that a coincidence? Go on, put yeah. your racing driver head on. For, for me, as, as a driver, no, it's not a coincidence. I think, you know, things like that can go one of two ways in the sense that if you know your seat's at risk, that makes you potentially perform better because you're suddenly fighting for that seat. But equally, if you know your seat is confirmed, that also makes you drive better because you suddenly take a big sigh of relief, you're safe, you're content, and you can just drive now knowing that the team's behind you. So let me run through the top 10 one final time. Charles Leclerc wins for the first time since the Australian Grand Prix to make it his third victory of the season. Max Verstappen second, his eighth podium of the season. 
Lewis Hamilton makes it three consecutive podiums to finish third. Then behind them, George Russell finishes fourth, despite getting a five-second penalty for a clash with Sergio Perez early in the race. Esteban Ocon fifth, Mick Schumacher sixth, Lando Norris seventh, making it two good weekends in a row for him. Kevin Magnussen eighth, the second Haas in the points. Daniel Ricciardo ninth, and Fernando Alonso rounding out the top ten in tenth. Well, Jade... Thank you so much for coming on the show. Great to have you. Thanks to Billy as well. Thanks to Natalie, of course. It's always quite manic after the races, as you've just seen. And thanks to all our guests. Thanks to everybody at home for listening. What's next for you, Jade? So for me, in my own racing stuff, I've got a British Touring Car tyre test, two days at Snetterton, not as glamorous as here. Oh, we love Snet. Exactly, we do love Snet. So we're on a summer break at the moment, so two days testing there, and then I'll be in Paul Ricard back with you guys for some more F1 action. Fantastic. Well, look, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you again to everybody who's listened to this. We will be back on Tuesday, the 19th of July, to preview everything French Grand Prix. Until then, enjoy yourselves and F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.